Welcome to episode 51 of the Practice of Nonprofit Leadership. I'm Tim Barnes. And I'm Nathan Ruby. Nathan, by the time this episode drops, we will officially be in September. I can't believe how fast the summer's gone by. Baseball season's starting to wind down. High school football has already started, and uh, NFL's kicking off here in the uh, next week or so. So it's exciting time. I know, and, and our Cardinals are still hanging in there, Tim. You know, my wife and I were out on a walk this week, and I was counting the number of trees that are already starting to turn colors. And that is crazy. It is apparently going to be an early fall in the Midwest this year. Well, when we think about fall as a nonprofit, um, that means that the year-end fundraising push is also right around the corner. And that's our topic for today. Yes, it is. And, you know, the last few episodes, we've talked about leadership skills and program evaluation and cash flow. And everybody gets excited about cash flow, Tim. But today, we are going to focus on fundraising and a few things that you should be doing to get geared up for the big year end fundraising push. I think we mentioned a couple episodes ago. It's like something like 34, 35% of all donations come in at the end of the year. So it's a really an important time. All right. So today we're going to be talking about four things you should be thinking about and getting ready to implement or execute on in the next few weeks to get ready for the big year end push here towards the end of the year. So number one, and if you, if, if you only get one thing out of this episode and you only have time to write down one thing, write this down. And that is go see your donors. That is the single most important thing that you could do over the next four months is to get out and see your donors. So what I'd suggest you do is pick out a manageable number of donors to connect with personally. Now, of course, this makes a difference if you're, if your donors are primarily local then you you could probably have more that you could see. If your donors are national or regional or statewide, this becomes a little bit more difficult. But you know we have Zoom and phone calls; those will work as well. If your if your donors are spread out a little bit more geographically, but if you have a more local uh, donor base, then what I would do is I would think in round number of twenty. Maybe a little more, maybe a little less, depending on, on your specific situation. But but about 20 would be a good manageable number for most uh, small to medium-sized uh, organizations, executive directors. So where do you come up with those 20? What, how do you figure out which 20 to go see? Well, here you go. So pick from three different lists of donors. First list is your top donors from the last three years cumulative giving. So cumulative giving would be their go back. This is 2022. So go back your 2021 total giving, all giving. If they've given five times in the year, then you add up all five. So you get a cumulative for that year. So of 2021, 2020, 2019, add that number up. And that is the three year cumulative giving. And the reason we want that is donors that are giving every year are that is a kind of a, a benchmark you're looking for for consistency. <clears throat> so if they've given three years in a row, they're very, very likely to give this year 
at about that same level. So take that three-year cumulative list and then from the sort the list by most giving to least giving. And that's the, those top four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Those are the, the top lists that you need to be looking at. All right. So top donors from last three-year cumulative. Second list, last year's top donors. So this is the very similar to the first list, but it's we're doing just 2021 giving. So run your list by cumulative, all of their gifts. If they made three gifts last year, then add all three up. And that's the number that you're looking for. Sort that again from biggest gift to lowest gift and pick off that top four, five, six, seven uh, from that list. Then the third list is I call a wild card list. And from this list, it is people that um, don't haven't fit into those top two lists. So it could be somebody in your community with high capacity who's giving you know a hundred dollar gift or two hundred and fifty dollar gift. So they won't appear on those top first two lists, but they have enough capacity that you should be paying attention to them. And they're giving to your organization. So they already know who you are. And obviously they, they are interested in your organization if they're already a donor. It's also for somebody in there that maybe they gave four, five, six years ago. So they had an interest in the organization at some time, but for some reason they fell off. They stopped giving. Nobody's called them in the last two or three years and they just kind of fell through the cracks. There's always, and I, you know, it happens in my organization. It happens in Tim's organization. I'm, I'm sure it probably happened in your organization. Donors fall through the cracks. And so this third list is, is a chance to pick up those. So um, top donors from last three years, cumulative, last year's top donors, and pick a few wild cards. Get your 20, 25, 15, 18, whatever the list is that you're comfortable with. And that is the list that you start working on. So what are you going to do with these, these donors that you go see or, or contact with? Well, I would recommend that you don't, the first time you go see them, do not ask for a gift. The purpose of this communication, the purpose of this connection is to update them on what's happening, to share stories. Um, how are you, is the organization saving lives and changing lives? What are you doing with their money? It is just an opportunity to make sure that they clearly understand the value that you're bringing to the community and to the people that you serve so that when you go back and see them in November or December, then they will be ready for you to ask a gift. I'm, I'm on one of these lists and, and Nathan, you know, we love you. There's really no need for you to come. And I know you've got a lot of other people to talk to. And, um, you know, we, we love what you're doing. We're going to keep giving. So don't worry about coming and talking to us. We're, we're good. Uh, you know what, Tim? That's, that's a great response because that does happen. And it happens with some of your best donors. And I've got a few that do that have done that to me. So let's role play a little bit. So you have, you, the donor have just said, you know, I love what you guys are doing. You know, we're going to give this year, no sense to come, you know, waste your time with us. All right. Here's my response. Tim, you have been such a, a wonderful donor over the years and your giving has made a tremendous impact in, you know, whatever organiza organization you're with. Here's why I'd like to come. I, I want to say thank you in person. Your giving is so important to us that it is, it is 
it is valuable for me to come and to say thank you in person. That's one thing I want to do. The second thing that I want to do is I want to share with you firsthand what it is that we're doing and the successes that we're having and the impact that we're having on the people that we serve. And I just, I can't do that over the phone or through a letter. So I'd love to come. I won't stay long. I'll just be there a little while, say thank you, update you on what we're happening, and I'll be on my way. Would that be okay? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so that's no. how that's how I would do it. So no, that's I, good. I would come back with something like that. And now that's how I do it. You can you could do it differently based on your own personality. I would kind of maybe practice that a little bit so that you're not, you know, you're you're not stumbling over your words so much when that comes up. But I would bring that so I would have that as my as my response. Then if they if they balk again, if they balk the second time, then they probably really don't want you to come. And so what I would say if they if they balk a second time, my response would be, you know, Tim, that's that's totally okay. I totally understand, you know, you're busy and that not not a problem. Would you be okay? Would it be all right if I just kind of wrote down some of the key points that I was going to cover in a letter and sent that to you? Would that be, would you be okay with that? Um, it's not the best, but it's at least something, I mean, we don't want to irritate our donors. That's not what we're trying to do. We're we're just trying to get in front of them face to face and share what we're doing. So you could use that as a fallback if you need to. Pro tip here, like I said earlier, we're not asking at this, this first visit. So what I would do is you go into the visit and you kind of exchange pleasantries, you know, hi, how are you? Great day. You know, fall's coming early, whatever, whatever you talk about, how are the grandkids doing? How are the kids doing? And when you're starting to get down to business, I would literally lead off with, well, first of all, I'd lead off with, you know, Mr. And Mrs. Donor, thank you for your gifts. Thank you for supporting us and making such a tremendous difference in, in what we're able to do here in the community. And I want you to know, before we get going too far, I'm not here to ask for money. I'm not making an ask at, at this point. And then go on in a, at about what you're going to cover. And that takes the pressure off them. They know that they're not going to be asked. You know you're not going to do it. it. It sets the tone for the rest of the meeting. Then, and this is the important part here, at the end of the meeting, right before it ends, you then say, you know, I, thanks for, for having me today. Loved sharing what we're doing and catching up with you. I would like to come back in late November, early December and visit again with you. And at that time, I am going to have a funding proposal with me for you to consider. Now, my personality, I make a joke out of it. I say, I will, you know, I would like to come back in November, December with the funding proposal. You know, that's, that's my job. I, I ask people for money. That's what I do. Uh, and I just want you to know that that's, that's what our agenda is going to be when I come back. And the reason you do that is because in all the time I've done that, I can count on one hand, the number of times I've had people say, well, then I don't want you to come back because I don't want to do that. They hardly ever, ever say no. The other side of that is they know you're coming to ask for money. They let you back in the door in November, December. There's no pressure. They know what you're there for and they've let you in the house so guess what? They're going to say yes. They may not say yes to the amount you're asking for, but they're going to say yes if they let you in the door. Number two, get your story straight. 
there was a video that I watched. Actually, I've, I've watched this a few times, Tim, but I saw it again this week and it, it was, it fit our topic this week perfectly. And it was a, a video from 2015 from, uh, with Seth Godin and Amy Einstein. And Seth is, if you, if you've never heard of Seth Godin, all I'm going to say is Google Seth Godin, S E T H G O D I N. And that it'll explain itself. So that's Seth. And then Amy Einstein is a, a consultant that's been in the fundraising world for years and years, uh, a big name in, in the fundraising consulting world. So they did a uh, talked about how important stories are to your fundraising efforts. Now, I know 2015 is, is a little dated, but I can think back even further than that. When I first started in the industry in the late 1990s, and I was told by a sage old fundraiser, the best fundraisers tell good stories of how their donors' gifts make a difference. It was true in the 90s. It was true in 2015. And it's true today. You've got to have your story straight of how you're impacting the lives of the people that you serve. So what I would recommend is find a story or two that really personifies your programming. Now, I'm not downplaying data and metrics and outcomes, because those are critically important to you. You've got to have those as well. But these stories, that is where you're going to capture your donor's heart. And it's where you capture their passion for what you're doing. Data is important, but that's not where the gift comes from. Your gift comes from the heart and that's where the stories come from. So, or the purpose of the stories. Mm. So you don't need 15 different stories. All you need is one or two and even one, one really good one will, will do the job. And when I was uh, a few years, well, more than a few years ago, Tim, several years ago, uh, the organization I was with, we were, we, it was an international organization and I had a, a national donor base and I had experienced firsthand in Ethiopia, uh, this, this little boy who was part of the programming that we were funding, and I came back and I told that story about that little boy. And over the course of three years, I probably told that story, I don't know, Tim, hundreds, maybe thousands of times and raised millions and millions of dollars from that example of that story of how donors money was being put to use. And now I had a national donor base. So I was, I was all over the place that maybe one story, you probably can't use the same story in a local donor base for three years. You, you might have to have a new story every year, but you don't have to have five or six or seven or eight, just one, tell that story again and again and again, and it, 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 it will work. I, I know your heart, you know, you, you tell it authentically. It's not just about trying to you know, get a buck. <laughs> right. Right, right. Right. I mean, you're, you're, you're sharing about an authentic experience and you're communicating how your organization is changing or saving lives. That's, that's where it's at. It's, it has to be authentic, but yes. if it's authentic, it's going to really impact and touch people's hearts. Yes. And, and I get another word of caution. If you are local, if your programming mm -hmm. is local, you be really careful with telling stories about, I mean, these are, these are the, the people that you're serving in your organization. They're, they're human beings mm -hmm. and they have dignity and they have, we're, we're not commercializing, you know, their plight or, or their whatever is happening in their lives. So, you know, we don't, 
don't use their their real name you know don't make it easy to identify who they are it it's and yeah i have to be careful cuz w- one of the one of the the things i say i don't actually mean it but i say it a lot is don't let the facts get in the way of a good story and you know you can't do that i'm not recommending that that you just make up something cuz that's not genuine and that's not authentic so we but we want to tell authentic stories about how our programs are making a difference in the lives of the people we serve and that is so that the donor can understand how their money is being spent and make a personal connection with what you do. Uh, and that's where, that's where the best gifts come from. Okay. Number three, plan your year end messaging and appeals. Now it, it is, it is uh, technically it's still August. Today is the day to start planning your year end messaging. And we've got all of these strategies and tactics that, that, small to medium nonprofits can use their, you know, direct mail and online giving and giving Tuesday and newsletters and face-to-face visits and texts and asking your board to help uh, with fundraising and your staff and volunteers in the community, et cetera, et cetera. You've got all of these different strategies and tactics with all of these different groups of people, all of these different stakeholders. You need to have a consistent messaging across all of those groups of people across all of those stakeholders across all of the strategies and tactics you need a consistent message now there's a a a fundraising platform an online giving platform the company is called give butter not give better but give better with a u so give butter interesting name yo it, it sounds like better but it's butter I don't know. Anyway, uh, GiveButter is a fantastic giving platform, online giving platform. And they did a, an article in, when they were talking about brand and messaging. And it said, as the saying goes, a brand is a promise. A promise on what your supporters can expect every time they interact with your organization. And the more you can deliver on that promise, the stronger you can expect your brand recognition to grow and ultimately you're giving. So I added the last part on the giving. So if you are, if you have your, you as the executive director, your board president, one of your staff people, one of your volunteers and your website, giving five different messages when they're connecting to the community about what you're doing and the impact that you're having, you're you're stuck in first gear Or, or maybe even worse. Maybe you're just spinning your wheels and you're not going anywhere. You've got to have a consistent message going into year-end fundraising. Now, planning your messaging, or in other words, your brand, is a strategic and international, intentional, not international, intentional exercise that you need to invest time and energy into. It is, it is a greater, it's a bigger project than just planning your year-end fundraising strategy. So here's what I suggest. In order to maximize your revenue in the next four months, pull together just a simple message that you want to communicate. Maybe it's the story that we talked about in the last point, or maybe it's a program that you're going to focus on, or maybe something else that you're going to focus on. Get one thing that you want to focus on for the next two or three or four months in order to maximize that fourth quarter fundraising efforts. Then in January or February, when things kind of on the fundraising side, at least cool down a little bit, you've got a little bit of time to breathe and think, then you can tackle the broader issue of a full blown branding exercise. Or if you've already got a a branding uh, 
together. You've got your branding act together. It'd be a good time to take a look at it and update it and if, if you need to. So Nathan, do you feel like every time we do some special focus, like, okay, end of year giving, or maybe we do some kind of a giving activity, what I'm hearing you say is very important that you choose a primary message for that activity or that event. Yeah, good, good, good thought, Tim. Good question. And I think back in uh, one of our earlier episodes, we had Christina uh, Edwards on, and she was talking about marketing and content and this this very uh, this very topic. And the thing that she always suggested and, and still does is you know create one message, one piece that then can be t- used over and over and over again. So the 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 story that you use, it's the same story whether you're uh, doing a text or doing a, a newsletter article or talking to donors face to face. It's, it's that same story. Or if you're doing a talking about a program, you're talking about the program in the same way so that every time that program is talked about, whether it's a board member talking to their neighbor or a staff person talking to their best friend, <clears throat> you're talking about it in the same way. You're giving the same message in that, hey, these are the three things that are important out of this program, and this is the outcome that we're doing, and this is how we're changing lives in the community. So if everybody's telling the same story, giving the same points, you're all rowing in the same direction as opposed to the staff person saying, oh, well, you know, from my perspective, these are the three things that are important. And, you know, for the board member saying, well, from my perspective, you know, this is not creating a drag on cash flow. I mean- you, this way you're all going in the same direction as, as opposed to five different directions. Well, let's go to number four. Okay. Number four, push content to deliver your story. Here's the key thing here. When in doubt, send it. Communicate more, not less. Share the story more, not less. Ask more, not less. One of the things I always hear in nonprofit world, especially when it comes to fundraising, is donor fatigue. And that is, you know, we send, you hear this a lot from board members. It's like, well, you know, we've already sent two appeal letters this year. So, I, you know, I don't want to irritate our, our donors. So let's not send another one because we've already sent two. And that is not, is not correct, Tim. You have got to be communicating with your donors. If your donors don't understand what's going on, they will not give. So that means more newsletters, not less. Okay. Maybe a newsletter every month. Maybe that's, maybe that's too much. I don't know. Maybe it's not. It, it depends on what your, what your constituency, constituency is used to, but once a quarter, definitely without question, once a quarter is appropriate, you know, three appeal letters. Well, that's probably not enough. Yeah. You know, we talked about in an early episode where I was running a direct mail program and we mailed 13 times a year and we didn't mail in January and we didn't mail in July more, not less. Your message has got to get out there again and again and again and again to be effective. And you know, your competition this year, your competition for revenue is not going to be other organizations. And in reality, your competition is hardly ever other organizations. Even if you think it is, it, it's not. This year, your competition is going to be the Fed and what they do with interest rates. 
It's going to be mortgage rates. It's going to be inflation. It's going to be fear. It's going to be doubt about the economy. That is what you're competing against. That is your competition. And if you are not actively sharing with your donors what you're doing, telling stories, communicating and on how you are using their money, their gifts to save lives and change lives, you will not get the best gift possible from that donor. And worse yet, you may not give get any gift at all. Pushing your message out, asking your donors for gifts, that is where you're going to have success this year in your year-end giving strategies and uh, year-end giving program. That's really good. It's a good good reminder of where we sit right now as nonprofit organizations. So uh, good insights there. I think you have a half point or you have I, I uh, do. something for free there. I do. This is point four point five, So okay. four and a half. All right. So here's a little thing you could do. If you feel industrious, if you, uh, if you want to take a long shot and just see what happens, go see your individual donors. Again, this first time here in, in September, October, we're just going to go visit give give updates on on how we're spending their money and all the great things that are going on and and also when you see these donors and you're sharing these things don't be afraid to to mention some things that you're struggling with you know it's okay to say hey you know there's one or two things that we're that we're struggling with and and this is this is what it is and this is what we're doing to fix those things or make those things better so don't be afraid to share that too but here's the here's the 4.5 go see your individual your your donors see them in October then when you go back in November, December for the get for the ask, because you've told them you're coming back, then ask them for five X of what their annual gift is five times. So if their annual gift is, is averaging about a thousand dollars over the last three years, and you go back with a funding proposal, the ask amount is $5,000. Okay, that's Nathan, the, that's, that's, that's the pretty challenge. bold there. No, they'll love it. They'll love it. In, in 20 plus years of doing this, when I have gone and I have asked thousands of donors for money, I have never, ever, ever had any donor get upset because I asked too high. The only thing you'll get if you ask too high is you might get, oh my gosh, I'm not made out of money, but it'll be a joke. Or they'll say, or they might say, um, holy where did that number come from? You know, what, whatever they, they may say something like that, but, but they're never going to be angry if you ask too high. So here's the deal, Tim, if you go and ask for their thousand dollar gift, the way that they've always done, you could do that. Or you could go and ask for 5,000 and you, you may not get the five, but what if they give you two or what if they give you 1500? That's a 50% increase on their giving. So that's the challenge this year have fun with it let me know how it goes for you all right well give us uh give us a wrap up so all your right. final thought here's my final thought and it's short and sweet it's simple talk to your donors share the story share your message and then ask them to support you that's all you got to do well nathan is always really good stuff and i hope you'll take to heart what uh nathan has shared and uh, again, if you would like to interact with Nathan, if you have some some questions about a end of the year plan, he would love to hear from you. Our uh, information, our contact information, is in the show notes. You can always you can always find it there. 
So thanks for listening today. Appreciate you showing up. As always, if you're benefiting from being from what is being shared on this podcast, we'd like to ask you to share a review on the platform. It helps others to to uh, see that we're out there and what they might get from it as well, and share what's being helpful for you as you listen each week. And again, as I just mentioned, if you'd like to get in touch with us, our contact information can be found in the show notes. Well, that's all for today. Until next time.